Good morning. Have your Bibles ready and turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And don't be offended by that because Jesus went as a Jew to the Jews first and then chronologically later the gospel went to the Greeks. It doesn't mean that the Jews are any more important than us. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let's look at this again. The word gospel means good news. It tends to be a, somewhat a religious word and we kind of miss that. It's a compound word. It's a word, you know what a eulogy is, right? You give a good word for the dead person, okay? That's a good word, eulogy. A good messenger is euangelios. An angel is a messenger, okay? Euangelios is this word here. It means good news. And sometimes I think we miss that when we read the word gospel. So I would encourage you, when when you're reading through your your Bible and you see the word gospel, make yourself think good news. We're going to talk about that today. Why is it good news? Jesus went through Palestine preaching the good news of his kingdom. It was how he was going to to reign. And he gave lots of illustrations and parables and stories about how he was going to reign. So one of the things he says, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Basically, if you don't learn how to show mercy, you're not going to get it. And he gives that story, remember that story. But the guy who didn't show any mercy after he had been shown mercy. And he got thrown in jail because he didn't learn what mercy was. And Jesus gives these illustrations to illustrate how he is going to rule in his kingdom. And it's good news. Because the way we govern... It ain't no good. (laughs) Parents, the way you govern, it ain't no good. Government, corporations, take your pick. The way that we govern isn't any good. This is good. So, First Corinthians, sorry, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God for a salvation. That's how God saves people, is the good news. That's his power to do it. And when Jesus was here, he used his power to heal the lame, heal the blind, raise the dead, heal the sick, all these different things. But he never used miraculous power 
And you can look this up, check it out, read the, God, read the good news book, Gospels, okay? He never used miraculous power to change a Pharisee into someone that liked him, <laughs> okay? You know, does anybody know that story? It ain't there. He never used, he never laid his hands on someone and made a drunkard into a good dad. Is that story in there? Anybody know that story? Not there. And you could multiply those examples where he, our heart is precious to God. Our hope, our desires are precious to him. And he's not going to use his power of the universe, the power that he created the world, the power that he used to raise his son to manipulate us. But what does he do? Right there. A message. That's the power of God to save people. We're going to look at that today. 1 Corinthians 15. We've already read it once. We'll read it again a couple more times. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the good news which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. I want to point out a few things real quick. It's good news. It's a message. It's preached. It was received by the church at Corinth. They had to stand in it. And, they had, and it was through that that they were saved. And it's conditional. There's a lot that's been said about unconditional. There's an if here. Salvation, a relationship with God, is conditional. If we hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Let's stop there. First importance. That word, okay, we're in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, that word of first importance, many of you engineers will recognize that Greek word. It's proto-ois. Proteois. What is a prototype? It's the first thing, right? A prototype is the first one. This is the word proteois. It's the first, it's plural. It's, pro, it's the first ones. This word also is used in, uh, in Herod's birthday party. Mark chapter 6, verse 21. Herod is throwing a, a birthday party. A strategic day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his lords, his his military general, commanders and the leading men of the Galilee. Where is the word proteois here? Same exact Greek word. Leading men. It's his leading ones. It's his top ones. It's his first ones. He had this important party. This is the one in which John the, the Baptist, John the Mercer got killed. And he invites his leading, his first ones. Leading men. So when Paul is taught, reminding the, the church at Corinth about the good news that he preached, he said, I gave you the first ones. I gave you the first ones. 
And what is that? He tells us. The word that in this passage is there four times. We're going to go through each one of those. Four times. That, 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 that. So what is the substance? Verse 3, For I deliver to you the first things, the first ones, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen. That's the substance of the good news. The priority of the Apostle Paul to teach and preach the good news is what he received. It was entrusted to him to pass it on. First one, that he died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's good news, isn't it? Why? Why is that good news that someone died? Because someone has to die. The wages of sin is death. Our country is crying out for justice. Let me tell you, if they got it, they wouldn't want it. We are pleading for justice. We need to be pleading for mercy and grace. But there's going to be justice. And justice is going to occur at two places. There's only two places. Well, there's justice along the way, I understand that. But ultimately, justice is going to have its day in two places. One at judgment, and two at the cross. Let me tell you, from my, from my perspective, I don't want the judgment at the end. I don't want to pay for my own sin. But justice occurred at the cross. He had to die. For someone had to die to give us a chance. And that's good news. It's good news we have a substitute. It's someone has to pay for all the murders and all the abuse and all the lies and all the theft. Someone has to pay. The soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death. When Jesus took our sin upon himself, when God looked down and viewed him as our sin, the Bible says that God reckoned it in his own mind. He executed justice and put him to death. And that's good news. good news that he died and this good news can save us we're going to talk about that in a little while so for i delivered unto you first the first things what i also received that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures second thing that he was buried that's good news yeah that's good news why why is that good news it's good news because in order for him to demonstrate his power over death. He had to confirm his death by burial. In order for him to be made like us in all things, he had to be buried. He had to go into the abode of the dead and get the keys of death and Hades. Revelation 1.17, read this. When I saw him, 
I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Hades is the abode of the dead. He has those keys. He has an indestructible life, we learn from Hebrews. And he's able to leave death. He's able to take those keys and leave. That's good news. Don't you want to be the guy who's with the hero at the end of this story? Don't you want to be the guy? Don't you want to be with the guy when all the fighting is over and all the battles are through and the dust settles? Don't you want to be with a guy who's wearing the badge who's still standing? It's good news that he was buried and demonstrated his power over the thing that gets us all, the toughest thing on the block, and that's death. And it's always a shadow that's over this world. I would encourage you, more so you younger folks, that if you've not dealt with your own mortality, if you've not reflected on that, I would encourage you to do some serious reflecting on it. You are going to die. So this happens. And it's good news that we have someone who's already gone there, who's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's conquered that death. It's good news, and this good news can save us. Third thing, for I delivered of you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried. Third thing, that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that's good news. Right? Why? This fact of His resurrection and how complex and how amazing that it was strategically done and the evidence that backs it up, this fact demonstrates that he actually has the keys of death and Hades. His resurrection demonstrates his enormous power, the power of God over death. This historic fact of his resurrection carries the entirety of the faith. If it is not true, Paul says, this is a waste of time. We are all men to be pitied. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. This fact gives us hope that he rose. This this hope motivates us to live for him. He is life, and he gives life. This good news that he rose from the dead can save us. Fourth thing, for I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose, third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen. That's good news. Why? 
Why is it good news? Simply is that if he wasn't seen, you wouldn't know. Unless there were eyewitnesses. And you know what? Maybe you might know, but you wouldn't believe it. We want a witness. We want someone that confirmed it. And he gave us that over and over. And we read that list of all the people that saw him. They saw his death. They saw his resurrected body. To the degree that we think that this is good news will affect how strong we embrace it. We don't think it's good news, we're not going to embrace it, are we? If we treat it nonchalantly, ah, it's just Jesus, ah, it's Jesus. It's good news. To the degree that we think it's good news will affect how we embrace it and whether or not we embrace it at all. How important is this good news? Let's read a passage from Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the good news from the first day until now. Participation. How can you participate in something that's done? Isn't it once for all done? Did you, you sacrifice once for all? You know, wasn't that? So how can you participate in it? How can you participate in events that are in the past? Well, the meaning of those events, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and being seen, those events have meaning to someone besides you and me. They have very much meaning to God. It's his good news. So how can we participate in this? We can be like him. This hope, this hope, the hope that we have is the hope to be like Jesus. The hope that we have is to be accepted. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. The hope is to be like him, to be well pleasing to the father. How can we participate? Let's look at 2 Thessalonians. Open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Mm. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. And it's with all the T's. First and 2 Thessalonians, first and Timothy, Titus. It's kind of nice how all the T's are grouped up together. Mm. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. I... Uh, this is a disclaimer here. I didn't write this. Okay? This is not my opinion, although I do agree with it. The things that are in this are hard. Listen to it. 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Well, I thought we couldn't be worthy. For which indeed you are suffering. Verse 6, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well. 
when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. So how do we obey it? It's what it says. What's going to happen when Jesus comes back? He's going to deal out retribution to those that do not obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. That do not know God and do not, not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So how do we obey the good news? How do you obey this message that's good? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 again. What's the first part of the good news? That he died, right? How do you die? If this is the substance, if these four things are the substance of the good news, then how do you die? The Bible calls it repentance. We die to ourselves. We die to our wants. We die to our kingdom Bible talks about in, in Corinthians, he, he says there's a worldly sorrow that leads to death. So people, aren't so, people sorry that they do bad things? Aren't they? They are, right? Worldly sorrow doesn't make any change, just keeps on going in the same direction. But a godly sorrow brings forth fruit in keeping with repentance. If you look at John the Baptist, John the Immerser, I like to call him, he was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when people came to him repenting, they were like, what should I do? And you can read the stories when the tax collectors came and the soldiers came. Tax collectors just like, stop extorting people. Stop taking all their money. Taking more than what you should. And so the soldiers come and they, they're, they're saying, I, I, I'm, I'm going to repent of, of what I've done. Well, what should I do? I've been a bad soldier. I've been, I've been a bad person. And John tells them, stop being a jerk. Stop being mean. Stop being hateful. Stop roughing people up. This is my version. You can look it up yourself and, and get it right. Okay, you know, Stop being a mean soldier. From Rome, whooping up on the Jews. He gave them concrete things of repentance because that's what repentance is. That's how you die. So the next thing, buried. How are you buried? There's only one way of describing that in the New Testament. It's immersion. It's not sprinkling. It's being buried. 
It's taking that old life because you're, you're, you're sorry for what you've done. You're sorry for rebelling against God. And you bury the... I, bur- I killed Tom Cornegay. Thank God. What a jerk. <laughs> and he's not perfect now, okay? But he's not alive anymore. I buried him. I didn't even mark the grave. Wasn't worth it. And where you look at the book of Acts, every conversion in the book of Acts, you never have a sinner's prayer. Sorry. You don't always have repentance mentioned, although you can see it in how the people are talking. You don't always have that they believed, although you can tell. Every single conversion in the book of Acts, you have them immersed. Here's water, what hinders me from being baptized. And they went down into the water, and they came up out of it rejoicing. Why? Because he had obeyed the good news. He knew that he had been forgiven. Fourth one, the third one, raised. Why did, he, why, 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 why did the Ethiopian eunuch go on rejoicing? Why? He had been raised. We are raised to walk in newness of life. When we bury the old man, we begin walking a new life. We are not to live the same way anymore. Fourth one, seen. Jesus was seen. How are you to be seen? Jesus says you're the light of the world. We are to be different. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. We're to live in this world differently than the way we were. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we need to be more like Christ. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6 9. I don't think I've got a slide up there, but just listen to this. 1 Corinthians 6 9. Or do you not know? Again, this is not my judgment. This is God's judgment. Okay? Don't hate me. You can if you want. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters. He's talking to the church here. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God, period. Pretty harsh, isn't it? But look at the next verse. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. You're on that list, aren't you? I know I am. And if you practice that, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care if you've been immersed or not. I do care if you've been immersed or not. But if you have been immersed and you live like the devil, you're going to be with him. That Jesus died is good news. And how he rules over us 
We unite with a winner, and it's not Donald Trump. It's Jesus. We unite with the King of Kings. We unite with the Lord of Lords. We confess with our words and our actions that He alone has all authority in heaven and on earth. We confess that He is Lord. We confess it in such a way that when He returns, He's not going to look at us and say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? When we say He's Lord with our mouth, if the actions don't follow, we're lying. If I say, you're... You're the king, and you don't do what he says? You have a different king. We must obey the good news. What does it say? Verse 8 in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God. How do we know who God is? I mean, how do you really know who God is? I mean, how can you know who God is? He's made himself known through Jesus, through the cross, through the good news. These will pay the penalty to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. The glory of his power the glory of the cross, the glory of His love. On the, remember on the, on, on, after the Last Supper, they leave the upper room and they're going through the streets of Jerusalem and they're about to leave the city and go into the, the garden. Jesus says, glorify your Son. I have glorified you, now glorify me. How is God going to glorify Jesus? The cross. He's ready to go to the cross. And he's going to glorify the Father, and the Father's going to glorify him. And the glory of the cross is the glory of his power. The glory of the good news. His death. His burial, His resurrection, and His appearing are good news. What about you? What about your death? Do you remember it? What about your burial? I got uh, dunked when I was a kid. I didn't have any faith. I just got a bath. And when I became an adult, and I, someone made a disciple out of me, started learning about Jesus, I realized that I didn't have faith. And so, I realized I needed to obey the good news, that I needed to bury Tom Cornegay. What about your burial? What about your resurrection? Your new life? Can you point to a change in your life? Can you point to, I used to do this, but now I don't. 
I don't practice it. I don't live that way. What about you being seen? Are you ashamed of Jesus? Can't be. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. We need to be seen. We need to be a light. I'm going to close with Romans chapter 6. Let God have the last word in this. Romans 6. And then we're going to close with a song. If you need to be immersed, if you need to repent and to be taught, if you need help, we have groups that meet together that help one another to to walk in the newness of life. You cannot walk in this newness of life together. He did not save you by yourself. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's us. It's we. It's His kingdom. And you can't do this without a group. We're going to be meeting in the back talking about small groups. We're doing small groups, and those are very beneficial. We're going to work on it some more. So we together can live the new life in Him. So we together can be a light together to shine the light of His good news. We'll close with Romans 6, verse 1 through 12. And as we sing this song, feel free to respond accordingly. What shall we say then? Now, as we go through this, think about that he died, was buried, raised, and was seen. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been immersed into Christ Jesus, have been immersed into His death. Therefore, we have been buried with Him through immersion into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk a newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection." Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. The life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus.